The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, I, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Oh, well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with City Council candidate Allie Herkenroder from the 7th Ward, straight ahead. Can one City Council person influence the behavior of their colleagues (laughs) on the City Council to um, make things more civil? (laughs) I will say this. I think that leadership informs the community. And I think that when we have enough leaders who are sitting on city council who are there for the right reasons, and those right reasons are the ward and the city, not themselves, once we have enough people sitting on council for that, I think that we will have a very dramatic change in the demeanor of city council as a whole and the amount of you know, resolutions and agendas and other items for the city that start to get passed. Are the needs of the people in the seventh ward different than the needs of the people in the first and second or sixth wards? I would say yes, because each ward is its own community, right? We, we are all these microcosm communities that are making up the larger community of the city that we love, which is Flint. Um, so, yeah, the needs of even different parts of different neighborhoods are very different. Um, but it's remembering that the needs of the seventh ward do not supersede the first, the fourth, the third, the whatever, because at the end of the day, we are all still Flint, and we are all here to serve the entire city in an equitable manner as well. Public safety is an issue that's uh, been in the news recently, especially with the um, 
<laughs> the uh, request uh, made by Chief Green um, for funding to experiment using a helicopter for patrolling Flint. Um, what do you think of the helicopter idea? I don't understand why that is the first response that was selected, especially because we know that we have the partnership with the Michigan State Police, who already has a helicopter, so I don't understand why Flint would need another one. Um, I think what we could do instead with that money is invest that money into traffic cams so that we could help reduce the amount of people who run red lights by doing automatic ticketing as well as helping with um, the prevention of drag racing. I know I live near Dort Highway, and I hear drag racing all every hour of the night. Um, so being able to use preventative measures instead of something, you know, that we already have that partnership with. Allie, how are you getting your message, your campaign out to people? Are you going door-to-door -door as you did when you were collecting signatures? And when you talk to residents of the 7th Ward, what are you hearing back from them? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am going door-to-door. -door. I've gone door-to-door -door, um, every weekend since February um, and a lot of times throughout the week, too. Um, I'm surprised that I haven't worn more holes in my shoes, to be honest. <laughs> um, but a really good avenue to learn more about the campaign um, for those who maybe I, I keep missing on their, you know, maybe they're out you know, with a picnic or whatever, um, you know, uh, my website is alleyforflint.com. I have all of my updates for the campaign and for the platform there, as well as my Facebook, which is also um, Alley for Flint. Um, but what I'm hearing back from a lot of people is so many residents want to feel safe in their neighborhood. They want to not have to look at, you know, any abandoned homes or eyesores, and they want to have the ability for our residents who use wheelchairs or have mobility issues, sidewalks are a really big issue that I've been hearing from a lot of constituents as well. Couple all of those issues with the fact that we've had 14 water main breaks on Court Street and the fact that there hasn't been any clear um, answers as to why things keep happening and why our infrastructure is just crumbling around us that's less than a year old. Um, a lot of people are just looking for answers. They really want to hear back from their council person and haven't heard from a lot of different people. And a lot of people are just excited that someone's actually talking um, and is someone who is there and willing to do the work. You know, that's that's interesting because there is a lot of talk around the country about infrastructure, but a lot of that centers around roads, bridges, and um uh, broadband um, but but in Flint a lot of the issues are a little bit closer to home they they tend to be things like sidewalks and water mains and um, and blight what what should the council be doing to ad address those infrastructure needs is, is it something they can do without help from uh, state and federal uh, uh, grants and dollars? I think that a lot more will be able to get done if we leverage state and federal dollars, as well as county dollars, especially from the ARPA. 
one of the things that we always have to do whenever we're looking at a budget is we always have to be as fiscally responsible with that money as we have because that money is finite. So we also have to look at that. We know we have that finite number. How do we use that? How do we maximize that to the most of our, to the best of our ability? We have to think creatively in some cases. So, okay, maybe let's fund half of this program for the water main with ARPA money or what have you money. And we write a grant for, to supplement for the other half. Or we, you know, reach out to our county government and see how we can help work to allocate money across, you know, a wider range. So we have to think very creatively as, long, as far as infrastructure improvement um, because then we can maximize the potential for all of these monies. What are the things that, that city council uh, should be doing that it isn't doing? Having less than 11-hour meetings. <laughs> um, well, anybody who's yeah. ever sat through one would agree with that. Yes. <laughs> um, first and foremost, city council, there, there's this concept that I grew up with that, that I'll share that I, I think is hilarious, personally. So the concept is GOI. And GOI stands for get over yourself. Because we have too many <laughs> egos and too many rooms trying to govern a city. And people just need to get over themselves so that we can remember that we are there. Because we, we well, I mean, I'm speaking like I've been elected. I hope that I have, that I will be. But, you know, we are there to serve the needs of the ward and the needs of the city of Flint. We are not there to serve our personal needs and our personal agendas. And I think that we need to remember that. We need to remember who put us in that office. You know, you know. Hopefully, I get there. <laughs> well, what do you think your chances are? The the primaries coming up uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, or just under two weeks. Um, do you think you? Uh, how how do you feel about your chances to be at least in the top two? Yeah, I mean, we know that incumbency is really difficult. To overcome, we know that. I think you know it's the ninety-five percent. That's not a made-up statistic um, of incumbents return. However, we also know that there is a lot of dissatisfaction in our current city council person, and being able to make sure that there is someone there who's going to represent the seventh ward and be able to put their money where their mouth is. So. I'm very hopeful. I'm anticipating a primary, uh, a primary win and into the general. Um, but we won't know until August 3rd. That's true. Um, you mentioned it once before, and I always give guests an opportunity to um, let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign and you know, and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you want to share the the website again? Absolutely. So it's alleyforflint.com. It's F-O-R, not the number four, <laughs> um, but alleyforflint.com. And then my Facebook page is also um, Allie for Flint. Allie, we've got about, oh, maybe three, four, well, three minutes anyway. Um, any any final thoughts you'd like to share with listeners about what you'd like to do and, and why you'd be uh, the best person to support? 
Absolutely. So I know that I've touched on the um, digital divide and being able to help invest in broadband infrastructure, but that is a really important part of being able to help with the um, the achievement gap for our families who didn't have internet throughout all of COVID, um, as well as being able to help use it to fight crime and blight. But I also want to make sure that I touch on the importance of uh, affordable housing creation for our seventh ward neighbors. Um, and being able to utilize either abandoned buildings or repurpose different buildings to be able to make sure that we have affordable housing for all of our Flint residents so that all of our families have a safe place to grow up in. And also I want to work really closely with um, healthcare providers in the community to be able to help expand healthcare coverage for those people who are in that gap area, you know, maybe Maybe uh, the family makes a little bit more than they would be able to be eligible for Medicaid, but it's too expensive to be able to afford um, health insurance through the marketplace. So being able to make sure that all of our Flint residents are covered with health care in some way, shape, or form, um, and just providing the education about all of the different options that are out there. But above all, the most important thing for me with this run is the importance of community collaboration and community voice in everything that gets done in the seventh ward. Because like I said, at the end of the day, it is, doesn't matter what I think about something because it's the voice of this, I am the voice of the seventh ward to be able to represent on council. So above all, it is that community collaboration and making sure that the community's voice is heard um, in the decisions that affect them directly, us directly. Well, Allie, thanks for spending this time with me this morning and uh, sharing your thoughts. I, I always applaud people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and, and try, win, lose, or draw. Anybody that, that wants to step up and, and uh, take on the challenges that governing a city especially one as challenged as flint uh, takes is um, worthy of praise um, so i i will just say good luck to you and and thanks for sharing this time with me and the listeners and good luck thank you so much tom i appreciate it all right take care that was uh, Allie Herkenroder. She is a candidate for the Flint City Council in the 7th Ward. And uh, we're going to continue talking with candidates from uh, throughout Flint as uh, we get close to the uh, August 3rd primary. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with candidates from uh, the 7th Ward who are running for Flint City Council. But we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk to a candidate who is a write-in candidate and uh, find out a little bit more about her and that process. Her name is Keisha Tarod. I think I'm saying that right. She joins me (laughs) by phone. Hi, Keisha. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tom, and thank you so much for having me, and it's Tiro. Tiro. Okay. Yes. And, um, and thank you for correcting me. I'm terrible with names, Keisha. Um, That's okay. But let me, let me ask this. Um, I'm confused about how write-in candidacy works. Um, some of the wards will not be on the, uh, the August primary, August third because there weren't two or more candidates um, so they automatically move into the November general election and for some reason I had the impression that write-in candidates um, wouldn't necessarily be part of the primary process. Um, I guess let me ask two questions to start out with. Um, One, why did you decide to be a write-in candidate and, and can you be voted for in the August primary? You can be. When you complete the writing application, it, it asks you to list the date. Um, I, myself, I, I listed the November 2nd date. But um, there are some candidates that are going for the primary as well as November. So you can, you can put either date you, you want. Um, it, it really doesn't matter because if you don't make it in the primary as the writing, you can automatically go to November. Why did you decide to, to be a writing candidate? Well, because I initially um, turned in approximately 150 signatures. And um, when I did not make the ballot, I wanted to find out why. Because I, I literally went door to door. I, I had... Um, a food drive at the Peace of the Rock where I, I obtained signatures. So I was confused as to why I didn't make the ballot. So I completed a FOIA and I received all the wards, all the seventh ward candidates' petitions. And upon doing research, um, I realized there were some errors made on, on both my petitions and um, other candidates petitions where they were allowed to um, be on the ballot with phone numbers in places where the address was supposed to be. And I was disqualified and I was told that some of the people um, in my ward, such as Michael Clack, the system wasn't updated. I got that excuse. And he had moved in the ward in January and because of COVID, there wasn't enough time to update uh, the system for certain residents. So I felt like I, I, I do still feel like I am the best candidate for the, the 7th Ward. So I didn't want to stop just because I didn't make the ballot. It's an opportunity for me to continue, so I'm going to continue. I've heard um, about problems with the uh, petition process from, from other people. Um, Shannon Lacey in the 5th Ward, uh, also Wantez Davis 
in the uh, in the fifth ward, and he served as a council representative from that ward previously. Um, how many people uh, have decided to run as a write-in candidate? I know you're going to be part of a write-in uh, uh, forum coming yes. up this weekend. Yes, that's going to be Saturday at Burston at 3 o'clock p.m., and I believe it is six of us that um, will be continuing on as write-ins. And and I guess I'll go back to the question that I usually start out with with candidates uh, for city council with the council's reputation for meetings running into the wee hours of the morning and not always getting through the agenda, not getting decisions made by deadlines. Why would you want to be on the city council? <laughs> That's exactly why. I believe that they're not getting the job done for the citizens. We're not moving forward because there's so much bickering and egos on the city council. That was one of the main reasons why I decided to run is because there's so much chaos and Flint is not progressing because of uh, the, the, the chaos and the egos that's currently in the way on the city council. What's your background Keisha if if you were uh, elected what would you bring to the uh, to the table for Flint City Council in the seventh ward okay I am um, currently a mental health advocate I run and operate my own supportive housing facilities here in Flint I've been doing this since 2010 working with the mental health population I um, definitely see an aspect where Flint has not been addressing the mental health um, portion, which I believe would assist with crime. And right now, with crime being one, one of the bigger issues in Flint, I don't believe it's just one approach that um, can resolve the issue of crime and criminal behavior. I think we have to encompass um, a few things, and mental health is one of those things that I bring to the table. Um, I'm currently working with Officer Reed, uh, who's on the Flint Police Department, to try to bridge the gap instead of um, calls going out for someone being violent. Um, if they have a mental issue, we want to address that. I believe we can also address it with the blight, because a lot of um, my mental health clients that I provide housing to, they once were squatters, um, homeless. So with that being on the rise, with crime being on the rise, with the fact that we, we, we were poisoned and lead is a big issue with um, hyperbolic activity such as uh, aggressiveness and being violent, I believe we have to encompass not only adding to our police department, but adding a mental health aspect to address the mindset of the people. Do you think Chief Green's idea of uh, experimenting with using a uh, helicopter to patrol Flint is a good idea? You know, I don't want to say it's a good idea or a bad idea, but what I can say is I would have started off with something a little smaller like drones. 
because right now we have a shortage of officers um, that can respond to calls. So even if you have a helicopter in, in the sky, we still need boots on the ground to respond to the actual emergency. So I had um, proposed we start off with drones. It's a, it's a less expensive cost. It's still eyes in the air. But use some of that money to hire actual bodies to patrol Flint, to address emergency calls, or to address break-ins. Right now, we, we can't, if someone breaks in your home, it's not necessarily considered a, 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 an emergency if, you know, property is stolen. The police don't necessarily come out because it's a shortage. So I, I actually don't know. If it's a good idea, because I've had um, some police, um, therefore, I've had some police that say it doesn't make sense. But with the cost being as high as it is, upward of $300,000 for three months, I thought we should have started off with something a little smaller like drones. Do you think a single council person can impact or change the the behavior of their colleagues and, and create an environment where um, discussions at the at the Flint City Council are, are more civil? I do not believe and I'm not going to um, pretend to any constituents that one single person can change the whole entire atmosphere because I believe it takes a team. It takes a body. That's that's what a, a council is. It's a body of people. Um, unfortunately, because of the makeup of it now, currently, um, it's divisive. I believe we have to work as a unit. There's, there's no way you can get anything done without working as a team. Everybody brings something different to the table. And, and I, I would like to speak in basketball terms because I, I am an ex-basketball player. You have five people on the floor, and everybody brings something different. You have a point guard, you have a shooter, you have a post player, or whatever. You you can't you can't solve issues, or you can't win a game unless everyone is willing to participate and to participate as a team. Just recently, the um, city council took up the issue of uh, renewing or establishing a new contract with Republic for uh, trash collection in the city of Flint. They fell short in the uh, negotiation for a new contract and ended up with a temporary contract. Several candidates that I've talked to have suggested that if not in the short term, at least in the long term, the city of Flint should be uh, bringing trash collection in-house and in doing its own trash collection um, while some others are saying no that's not uh, fiscally feasible we should continue to outsource who do you think should be collecting trash in the city of Flint? I think it is a, a, a good idea to um, try to bring it more so in-house um, if it's fiscally possible I would have to actually be on council to review the budget. You can't make a decision without knowing all the facts. But I do know that um, who, who's ever picking up our trash, we need to um, 
revamp how trash is, is picked up in Flint. For instance, out in Fenton, um, Republic provided, I believe it was 90-gallon trash bins with their names on the side. Um, and they also provided recycling bins. I think that should be um, mandated in Flint for any trash company. That way, the people, because we have low-income people, and sometimes you get people just, you know, putting their trash out in garbage bags, which eventually end up torn up on the street and littering the street. I, I don't know why that was not implemented in Flint to provide those um, trash cans for Flint residents as well as recycling because I believe we can kill two birds with one stone. We can address the climate change if we get more people involved in recycling as well as address some of the littering and blight that happens when people just throw trash out to the curb. So um, I definitely believe we should start, if it's fiscally possible, we should start reeling it back in to be in-house. But either way it goes, I, I believe Flint residents deserve to have a company that will provide the bins for us, just like they do out in Finn. Keisha, have you run for uh, political office before? No, I've never run. This is my first time running. I do currently sit on the board of directors for Catholic Charity, um, and, and we function as a body there, so I'm familiar with how um, council runs. And, and Keisha, how are you um, getting the word out to people and how willing do you think people are to support a writing candidate and, and write somebody in? I think people are more willing now than ever before because all options are on the table because it's such a chaotic um, atmosphere right now. I think that if anyone should run as a write-in, this would be the time because everyone is desperate for a positive change. Everyone is desperate for progress. Everyone is desperate for someone to represent what the people want and need. So I think that I have a very good chance, and I'm getting out. I'm knocking on doors. I'm um, doing social media. Uh, and, and thankfully, Tom, I'm doing an interview with you right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm also speaking at um, churches in the ward. Um, I've been um, invited to a few churches to speak to the people. Because right now, Tom, honestly, everyone wants a positive change. Everyone wants a person that they can trust with integrity. And this is the time to do it. Now, I've, I've talked to many of the candidates that are going to be on the ballot in August about this. The history of Flint, if you, if you go back 100-plus years, we've gone through a lot of changes, and, and each of those big changes resulted in Flint bouncing back, becoming a, a comeback city, if you will. But for the last few decades, we've seen... Uh, loss of jobs, which ultimately led to loss of revenue for the city to govern itself with, and then that led to emergency managers, then we had the Flint water crisis, then right along behind that um, we had uh, 
the pandemic. Do you think this is a time when Flint can um, reinvent itself again and become a comeback city? And how would it go? How would the city go about that? And what would that look like? Now, that's a great question, and I'm going to tell you how. Um, and I, I definitely believe Flint can come back. We just can't ever again put all our eggs in one basket, meaning um, at one point in time, Flint was dependent a lot on automotive um, industry, and GM was a big factor in jobs being lost. The city had, the, the demographics has changed. And we have to change with the demographics. But the one thing that will bring Flint back are businesses. And as a business owner, I have promoted small businesses, um, such as there's a, um, a, a sewing shop in St. Luke's Church. And they operate, um, they, they make scrubs, lab coats, you know, hospital gowns and things. Um, I think that is a great business to invest in. I think we should start looking at other alternatives besides big automotive businesses because right now the way we're going to come back is through small business ownership, getting more tax revenues um, flowing in the city of Flint. Um, a lot of people were um, trying to shut down the Sunoco on Ballinger Highway, for example. Right. because of the climb. I was totally against that because that business is bringing revenue. I'm absolutely for us um, preventing the, the crowds and the congregation that was going on, the violence. I'm for it. But that means we need to implement more police policies. And they put up cameras there, and it's been helping somewhat, but we need to invest in technology such as cameras. Um, and, and drones, like I stated. But to shut down businesses in Flint, it makes absolutely no sense for the revenue because the only way you can get a city functioning is through revenue. Um, Keisha, I, I wanted to mention, I hadn't really given any thought when I started putting these shows together, going ward by ward to talk to the candidates. I'm doing any write-ins because I didn't think there'd be any write-ins um, campaigning before the general election, after the primary coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, but you reached out to me, and I appreciate you for doing that, Keisha. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Let me let me do this as I as I do always with um, with all of my guests is give you an opportunity to let listeners know how they can find out more about you and your campaign and and whatever you'd like to to share with them. Um, do you have a website? I do not have a website um, up and running yet. But I do operate a Facebook, 7th Ward, right in Lakeisha Turo page. Um, so I can be looked up on Facebook under Lakeisha Turo or Keisha Turo 7th Ward Council Seat. I also have an email, and that is godloveglove at yahoo.com. That's G-O-D. 
L-O-V-E-G-L-O-V-E at Yahoo. I can also be reached by phone if you have any questions or concerns, which I, I would hope um, that the people will voice their concerns because we currently need people that will speak for the people instead of going in with our own agendas. My phone number is 810-394-7846. My phone is always ringing constantly. I will also still continue to do door-to-door -door in the 7th Ward. And the 7th Ward is a pretty big ward, and that's why I've, I've still been going door-to-door. -door because I want to reach as many people, if not everyone, but as many people as I can before November 2nd. Um, Keisha, we have about three minutes left, and I thought maybe you might want to uh, share with people how they can um, participate in this, uh, in this forum that's coming up this weekend and get to know you and the other write-in candidates, if you want to share some information about that, and any final thoughts that you might have. Absolutely. It will be this Saturday, the 24th, at 3 p.m. at Burston Fieldhouse located on Saginaw Street. I believe the address is 3300 Saginaw Street. Um, it's going to be indoors, so everyone is asked to please wear a mask and practice social distance. But if you have any concerns, if you want any questions addressed, so you all can make the best decision for Flint. This current um, candidate's run is not about who you know. It's not about vote for your friends because they're your friends. This is about getting the best people for Flint because it is a dire situation right now here in Flint. We are trying to save our livelihoods. We are trying to save our children. So right now we need to vote the best candidates into that office to represent us. And arguing and fighting, um, embarrassing the city, that is not one of the qualifications I want representing me. So I hope everyone will come out who, who wants questions answered this Saturday to the forum. And we'll all be, all the writings will be available for any questions or concerns you all have. Well, Keisha, thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning, uh, with me and the listeners. And uh, thank you again for reaching out to me. I, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate you being so open to getting the information out, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. That was uh, write-in candidate from the 7th Ward, Keisha Tiroux. And uh, we're going to have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. There was another candidate uh, in, from the 7th Ward who actually declined to be on the show. Uh Shannon Searcy, I believe, is, is her name. Um, but uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, so anyway, the point is that I have something different coming up in the next hour. We'll, we'll break away for a bit on the uh, conversations with city council candidates. But tomorrow I'll be back with all four of the candidates from the 8th Ward. Um, currently held by Alan Griggs. Anyway, we're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in, and if you're streaming us, we have some messages Hello as there, well. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out.
While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say just a few words about North Carolina, my home state, possibly the finest state in this entire union. We got industry of all kinds, pretty country, raised corn, cotton, tobacco, peaches, peanuts, all like that. Got colleges all over the state, fine quality, pretty girls, and run off the finest white lightning made anywhere. <laughs> hey, I see you all ain't forgot your raising. But it is, it, it's, uh, well, this, uh, this government stuff that you all use up here in New York and all, that'll kill you. It, it will, you can't tell what's in it. Here last, uh, last New Year's Eve, I was up in New York and uh, I, got, I got betrayed into drinking several, several folks' health. And uh, I was trying to be as, you know, as robust as I could about it. And uh, I kept on drinking their healths, friends, till I'll tell you the truth, my own pretty near become endangered. <laughs> but, well, now that's not true about white lightning. Now you can tell what's in that because you can see through it. And I never shall forget my first swallow of it. I, I took a good one, and I swallowed her down, and she hit bottom. And, and my face turned red, and my eyes rolled back, and I gagged just a little bit. And then by and by, I got over it. And some of the boys says, how are you? And I says, boys, I'm doing fine, gaining ground all the time. And I think I've got her if she don't jump. <laughs> yes, sir. I says says, give me just a minute to rest and I'll try her again. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was one fella that lived there close to me there a while, a fella named Sam Wood. And he did, he made the best there was made anywhere around. But he had bad luck with it. He uh, seemed like every time he'd run off a batch, why he'd get caught. And he was on the county roads so long and got so old that they finally just put him to a cooking. And he was serving up the boys one night he is serving up a mess of creasy salad. That's turnip greens. It's, it's not really, I just don't know what else to call them. But he is serving them up and one of them called him back. Says, Sam, says, come in. Says, there's a lizard in my greens. <laughs> Sam looked back and forth and says, hush. Says, the others will want one too. <laughs> They might be good, fixed right. <laughs> Sam, he, uh, he used to, he had bad trouble with drinking a whole lot of it too. But uh, he quit about, oh, five, six, seven years ago. And I got to talking about it with him one time. I says, Sam, did you ever have the DTs? He says, boy, I had them when they first come out. <laughs> now, I'd like to report to you here that there is excellent progress going on all over down there, even in, in the most backwoods communities at home, they're getting all kinds of modern conveniences. There was a fella that worked at the same factory that I used to with my daddy there in Mount Airy, and he come in out of the mountains one morning just as mad as he could be. And he says, Carl, says the people up there in the mountains are getting to act just like the people in town. Says there's a family of them up there close to us that started putting screens on their windows. <laughs> shutting the flies out on everybody else. <laughs> and 
Well, then too, I think this is pretty good. Uh, nearly all, nearly all of our local officials can read and write now. They can. And some of them do their own punctuating. They was, they was, they was one in particular that I remember. He was learning pretty good. And he is down at the barber shop reading the paper and showing off. <laughs> and, well, he is, he is reading along and he says, uh, says, I see him while so-and-so paid the spring sacrifice. And the barber says, yeah, I heard where he is killed. Says, don't say he is killed, says he paid the spring sacrifice. <laughs> not very funny, I just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> and we are, we are thrifty. I'm proud of that. I had an uncle one time, he said he bought him a new pair of shoes off a fella. Said he paid three dollars and a quarter for them. Pretty brown shoes. And said he put them on and he was walking on uptown. And said he was walking along and said his left shoe commenced to hurt him a little. And he was limping just a little bit and said he was walking on and he passed one of his friends says, what are you limping for? He says, I bought these shoes and this left one's hurting me just a little. He says, why don't you cut them? He says, I ain't gonna cut these shoes. Says, I paid three dollars and a quarter for them. He kept on walking, there's a hurting worse and he got studying about that thing. And he got studying, maybe that fella had something about cutting that shoe. He says, I took my knife and I cut a little hole just about that size right where the sore was. And he says, yeah, you know, I wouldn't took three dollars and a quarter for that hoe. <laughs> well, <laughs> he told me that and I had to get up off the porch. <laughs> but now, them of you that has to live here in Washington, there's a whole lot to be admired about, about Washington too. Cherry trees, monuments, and everything like that. The main thing, though, that I admire about Washington are the pretty girls, and I'm bound to say that. They are as pretty and well-built as any I ever seen tried to fill a balloon dress. <laughs> and I love to look at them. My wife told me a long time ago, she says, you can look at the pretty girls, but don't you never touch them. And friends, I've tried to live by that. Of course, that throws me to do an extra lot of looking just to make up for that one handicap. <laughs> well, I reckon we might as well go right ahead and get right on into the service. Is the choir ready? All right. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Cool. 
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. <laughs> 